From the city of Beaky Blinders, Birmingham, England, I would like to introduce you to Paddy Dandar. As the world becomes more automated and the robots take over, it's imperative that we build the right human skills for the future. So pull up a chair, grab a smoser or two, and make yourself very uncomfortable. I'm joined by Phil Pelucha, who is the CEO of Billionaires in Boxes, and he's got some phenomenal stories about how he's taken his podcast to a global level. And he's also been working on some pet projects more recently. And so, Phil, I'd love to hear, what are you working on? Thank you. It is a pet project. It's it's one that actually, if I'm honest, it has as many pros as it does cons. There's some things that have come out of the woodwork since starting this project that have made me go, why on earth are we doing this? And then something positive will happen and I'll go, ah, that's why we're doing this. So I am investing up to 25 million rand, which is about $3 million there or thereabouts of my money and the business's money into four different businesses across the emerging markets. We're looking for two professional services businesses to invest into and two sports businesses because they're the world's that I live and operate in. They're getting our financial investment. They're getting access to our teams, our network. They're getting my mentorship. It's going to be phenomenal. And they are being created into television series. So the first television series is a bit of a cross between like The Apprentice and Shark Tank, which is people coming in, pitching their ideas, going through a series of challenges, and then we will select the winning four businesses from the applicants and that starts recording in april next year which i'm really excited about the second television series starts immediately after that which is that the winners will then get access to our podcast network television network broadcast network and our streaming sites and get content created about our first year in business together with my mentorship with our additional cash for their advertising and spend with introductions to the international market and with access to our wider billionaires in boxes family and businesses as well so i'm I'm apprehensive, but I'm also really excited. Like I said, I think sometimes I feel like I've bitten off way more than I could chew. I think the first moment I realized this was we did one radio show in South Africa and we received about 40,000 applications and nearly broke my email inbox and was like, oh, this is going to be bigger than I thought. And that scared me. Plus, then I've now had to hire several people to manage all of my social media feeds for me because people keep trying to talk to me. <laughs> it's like can we talk about this and it's like no i don't have time there's not enough hours in the day and then people get annoyed if you don't respond to them as well it's like i messaged you an hour ago and i'm like okay so i don't know what you want me to say about that but no i'm excited about it these are incredible regions with some truly special and talented entrepreneurs who due to circumstances outside of their control often that they were born into have not had the ability to actualize their dreams but they have business models and concepts that could genuinely change and shape the world that we live in for the better if only somebody could shine a spotlight on them and give them the funding that they need to make that dream a reality and that's where i come in and i'm not trying to be the savior i'm trying to play my own small part in that success but i'm also hoping that i can set a bit of a precedent so that other Western entrepreneurs can see the opportunities in these regions off the back of what we do so that they want to go and get involved in their own journeys, which can only uh, inevitably help those communities and create more jobs and do some amazing things. Wow. That's like Elon Musk wanting to go out onto Mars. Like you've just put this huge challenge there for you. And I've only got admiration for you because, you know, sometimes we have these wacky ideas and people go, ah, don't be silly. But to hear what you're doing is absolutely amazing. I mean, dream big, and it sounds like it's all coming together. Just to give some of the listeners some context around 
just the scale of this, what sort of TV networks, channels, etc., will this be aired on? And where can we look out for this? Great questions. So, I mean, we have obviously, obviously have our own broadcast network and they're getting first dibs on a lot of the content naturally. So that reaches 26 million homes across the emerging markets. But we've also recently bought out a number of streaming channels that it will go on to on Roku, Amazon Fire and Apple TV so that people are going to be able to watch that globally. As well. I think 70% plus of our customer base and our audience is North America and it won't air on their TV. <laughs> so it needs to be on the streaming channel, ch- channels and networks there. But this is very much about globalization and about you know introductions to key markets you know taking south africa for example because that's where my wife's from there is no middle class it's the haves and the have-nots and that's difficult to see i think for is the first thing that you say and sometimes it feels a little bit helpless but it's also the fact that there are self-imposed limitations by the people who live there you know the people most people in that situation think i can't be an entrepreneur i can't grow this dream i can't do this business because look at where i was born into but even the people who don't have that limitation they've imposed another one they'll say oh no i can own a business and i can work with the rest of south africa It's like, why can't you work globally? Why can't you be the number one firm in the world for this? Why can't you be a household name? You know, I often talk to people about the fact that the South African rand is incredibly weak. So don't earn rand, earn dollars and spend rand. It goes so much further. So how do we introduce you to those markets? And people are often incredibly surprised to learn that the easiest way to move into markets internationally is through networking. Right? It's about who do you know in that market that already has access? How do you create a strategic alliance, a competitive, you know, a key partnership, a, uh, you know, wh- whatever this is, the distribution chain, just something that's going to allow you to access that market. You know, if I wanted to start working in China again, my first approach would not be how do I get 100,000 people to know who I am in China? It's how do I go and find two people that each have 50,000 people in their audience to introduce me to 100,000 people in China? And it's about helping people to understand that, giving them access to our already existing network, which is a real leg up and, and a booster for them. So they don't even have to create the network. They just come and join ours. Um, and I'm excited by it. It will also be aired in part. That there'll be interviews and discussions about it that will happen on our podcast and on our global radio stations as well. So there'll be a lot of content happening here. And I also suspect a lot of it's going to end up being put on my LinkedIn profile as my team keep telling me we need to do, but you, there was lots of ways that you'll be able to get involved and come and experience this for sure. Oh, fantastic. And what do you see as some of the biggest challenges for this project? I'm a very empathetic kind of guy. I think it's probably one of the biggest challenges. So, so the hardest part is I've already tried to change it twice. And I'm thankfully, I have a good team around me that won't let me. But I kept, well, maybe, maybe we can invest in eight. You know, maybe, maybe it shouldn't be four. Maybe it should be, maybe we could do 10. And they're like, will you just do four for now, please? Just stick to what you've said you're going to do. Stop moving the goalposts. And that's coming out of the fact that I'm meeting great people and going, ah, I want to help more. But at the same time, I think what I've had to tell myself is I'd rather do it with the four and make it incredibly successful than do it with 10 and it not be as successful as it deserves to be because that's not helping anybody. So that's definitely a challenge. Running a business internationally full-time, in fact, two businesses internationally full-time with lots of members of staff, you know, over two dozen staff members and trying to run this TV series whilst investing in these four businesses and mentor them is a lot, especially for a guy who works three days a week. So there's been a few, one of the challenges has been sticking to my three day a week rule. Occasionally. Are they long days, those three days or? Not particularly actually. So, so one of the things that I realized that I wasn't doing very well as an entrepreneur was I was working sort of five or six days a week, 12 to 15 hours a day. 
And what I realized was that I actually wasn't all that productive because I was burning the candle at both ends. I was tired. I was fed up. I was starting to resent what I did. And actually by taking it down to three days a week where I work, I mean, might sound long for some people, but maybe like a 10 hour day, maybe like an eight to 10 hour day. I can give a hundred percent of myself to every single, everything I'm doing, every project, every conversation, I can give a hundred percent of myself. And that's where I'm most effective. So the irony is since going down to working, so let's say eight days, sorry, eight hours a day, three days a week from six days a week, 15 hours a day, we make more money. We're more profitable. We're more successful. We achieve better results. So I am don't get me started on this hustle, hustle mentality. I am very anti this hustle, hustle lifestyle that people are teaching. I truly believe that one of the most important components for success is rest. And it's the one thing that nobody's talking about. And that's scary. But I don't want to give more of my time. A, because I like the fact that I get to spend lots of time with my wife and children, which is beautiful. But also the fact that I think if I gave more of my time, it would no longer be at 100% somebody's going to get 70% of me. Somebody might even get 50% of me. And that's not fair. Every conversation that I have, every relationship that I have, that person deserves 100% of me. And I give as much time as I can that still allows me to give 100% to each person. It just reminded me the other day, I was looking at some of these clips on TikTok and Joe Biden has been doing these interviews and on one of them, he's practically falling asleep on TV, which you just look at that and go, oh my God, how can he do that? But I presume, you know, some of these leaders are just doing some crazy hours. Oh, I, I can't even imagine their schedules. But it's not even productive. I mean, like that, per, I mean, in different settings, we wouldn't allow that to happen. So if we had a loved one who, you know, had been on the go for 12 to 15 hours and were falling asleep in the middle of a conversation, you wouldn't let them get behind the wheel of a car and drive you somewhere, would you? You'd go, no chance, you're knackered, let me drive, right? But the president of the United States who has access to a nuclear armory, no, it's fine that he's half asleep and not needing to get his rest properly. It's terrifying. So you won't let him in a car, but let him near nuclear weapons. That's brilliant. And that's not a dig at Joe Biden. I'm staying out of that politically entirely. <laughs> but the point is, it, it doesn't matter who the leader is, you yeah. need them giving 100% to the country and if that person or their business or their relationship or whatever and people don't often have a hundred percent left to give because they're burning the candle at both ends so rest and recovery is such a huge component for success it's unbelievable yeah no i totally agree i think traditionally we've always said work hard and there's been this kind of mentality that unless you put in the hard graft you're not going to get the rewards but yes hard work is needed absolutely but I think there's that boundary between crazy work as well. <laughs> so. You know when people say hard work pays off, right? That's not true. Like I know loads of hardworking people that are broke, right? Bin men are hardworking. They're not millionaires, are they? Warren Buffett doesn't particularly strike me as somebody very hardworking. He's worth billions, <laughs> right? So it's not about working hard. It's about working smart. And we've all heard that before, but very few of us actually take the time to think, what does that actually mean? And a great practical exercise that I did in my business, for example, and your listeners can do the same, is I wrote down, what is the core fill activity? What are the things that only I can do in my business? Nobody else can touch them. Right. And I wrote them down. And then I wrote down a list of everything else that happens in my business. And now I have a list of things that I need other people to do, either by hiring people, by creating strategic partnerships. Sometimes I say to people, just hire someone to do that. And they'll instantly think, I can't afford to hire somebody. Okay, don't hire somebody. Partner with somebody whose superpower is that bit. You can focus on your superpower. 
they can focus on this. Great example of this. And I use sports analogies all the time. We're both big Liverpool fans, right? So let's use Liverpool as an example. If Luis Diaz is, can score some goals, he's pretty good at scoring goals, but he's much better at crossing the ball. He's a phenomenal winger. Same with Trent Alexander-Arnold. Fantastic. Running down the wing, put the cross into the box. Phenomenal at it. Not that great at goal scoring. Doesn't score every go. Doesn't score every game. You couldn't expect him to. He's never going to be your main goal scorer. Whereas Darin Nunes, phenomenal goal scorer, doing really well. Put the ball in the box. He's going to have a lot of shots. He's going to score some goals. So Darwin Nunes should not be focusing his time as a striker on how to go back and defend, how to become a goalkeeper, how to become a defender. It's not his job. It's none of his business. Right. Just like Virgil van Dijk should not be spending all of his time as a defender learning how to score more goals because that's not his job. His job is to stop the goals. So business is a team sport and you can't play all the positions on the field by yourself. That's why Argentina have never won the World Cup because Lionel Messi can't do it all himself. Right. It's not possible. You have to be surrounded by people who are equally as good at their bit as you are at yours. And the first step to doing that is identifying What position do I play? What's my superpower that I need to focus on? And who do I need to surround myself with in order that I can focus on that? And if you take those steps, either through partnering with people, and I've created some great partnerships over the years, even gone into new projects with people and gone, let's split it 50-50. I'm phenomenal at lead gen. You're phenomenal at the admin and delivery off the back end. I'll get the people. You manage them through. We'll split the money 50-50. Both parties are happy because we both get to focus on the bit that we're best at. Business is incredibly simple until idiots overcomplicate it. (laughs) Hi, folks. Sorry for the quick interruption. But before we continue with this awesome episode, I have a huge favor to ask. If you're enjoying these conversations and you're finding it's giving you value in your daily challenges, then I'd be extremely grateful if you could leave a short review and subscribe to whichever platform you're either watching or listening to this episode on. That's it. Let's get back into the episode. Oh, no, I love that. And I love that football analogy. I think you're absolutely right on that. Phil, I was just thinking about my children. And my children are quite young yet. I've got a 10-year-old boy and a 13-year-old daughter. And especially my daughter now, she's starting to think about where does she want to head? I know Mm. it's way early for her yet, but... I'm always thinking as a parent, how do I help her in the best possible way? And you've got kids you mentioned as well. So for that next generation, I mean, you know, you're a tremendously successful guy. What advice do you have for those kids? Would it be to follow that traditional pathway of get a good education, get a good degree, figure out what you want to do? Or would it be some other path? It's an interesting topic of conversation. So I have a book coming out next year called The Underdog Champion, Going from Unknown to Unrivaled. And I didn't realize until I read the manuscript back that I spent two whole chapters yelling at the educational system. Somebody asked me a question about it and I ended up getting on a rant and now it turned into two chapters of the book. But I don't feel that our educational system prepares children for entrepreneurship. I really don't. In fact, I'm not even sure that our education system really prepares children for the world that we currently live in. It feels like an offspill of the industrial revolution. You know, do as you're told, recite facts, move to the city, work in an office, do your job, get your gold watch at the end and then die. And that doesn't exist anymore. That 50 year career where you get your gold watch and everything else, that that world doesn't exist. That world didn't really even exist for our parents. It, It was a myth at that point. But for their parents, sure. But for our children... No chance. 
no chance. So where I feel the the school system really lets people down is this, and then I'll give some advice on what I think people can do with this. But because I mean, my children are both homeschooled, full disclosure. So we are educating them to be entrepreneurs. We are preparing them to to challenge why things are done in a certain way. And it's quite funny, actually. So my children are nine and five, and they are already both incredible negotiators they're brilliant at it they will barter and negotiate with everything it's phenomenal to watch I'm trying to discipline them's hilarious because they're like like i see your complaint and i raise you this and it's like damn i shouldn't have taught them so well but here's the thing with school and the educational system if school was really preparing children for the world of business you know at the beginning of the year when you get your grade card and it's like you're doing nine subjects this year or whatever it is and you, you know if I got a, an A in one of those grades and an F in the rest of them, I'd be in the principal's office, right? I'd be being seen the head teacher. My parents would be called in for an intervention meeting. He's doing really well in this subject. He sucks at everything else. But that in entrepreneurship makes me a millionaire. Getting an A in that one thing and being the best at it makes me an incredibly successful person. So actually, instead of punishing children and saying to them, you've got to have A's across the board, you've got to be a generalist, you've got to be good at everything, what we'd be better doing is saying, what do you enjoy? What's the things that actually get you excited that you're motivated to go and learn about? And we're going to give you two of those subjects that you're really excited about. And your responsibility is to go and focus into all of your time into those areas, into your superpowers, and get an A in both of those. And the other part of your grade card, we're going to give two of those subjects to this guy over here who really loves maths and science because that's what gets him excited. Because then at the end of the year, you and your small team, your collaborative, your business would bring your scorecard, your grade card, and it would be straight A's across the board and you've all passed with flying colors because that's how a business works. It isn't let's have one person be a generalist. How many entrepreneurs do we see try and be chief cook and bottle washer in their business? It's not possible. And they try and hold on to that for too long. It's like, oh, I'm really good at this bit, but I hate sales and marketing. I'm having to spend so much of my time trying to learn sales and marketing. No, you don't. That's just what school has taught you you need to do, which is say you're weak in this area. Go and spend more time focused on that. That's terrible advice. You're bad at this, so spend more time on it. That's terrible advice. You're really good at this. Go and get even better at it and be the best at that. And I'll find someone else to do the other stuff that you're not good at. Don't stress about it. That makes far more sense. So I, one of the things I would say is I'm not going to tell everyone to leave the education system. I'm not start, starting some sort of revolution. I might build a school at one point and then I'll tell you to come and join my entrepreneur school, but I'm not right now. Too many projects on the go. But I would say this. I would say networking and learning and allowing them to embrace the things that they are passionate about is the number one thing that you can do even if that thing is not going to be their career i think you said your daughter was 10 right at 13 yeah 13 so the things that your daughter does at 13 might not be the things that she wants to be doing at 23 at 33 i mean i meet 40 and 50 year olds that tell me they don't know what they want to be when they grow up right but if the lessons that you're teaching her at 13 are art's not important don't worry about that you need to focus more on your schoolwork. that's setting a very bad example that's saying to them you see that thing that you really care about i'm undervaluing it i'm devaluing it and telling you that this thing that i think is more important should be where your focus is and that's really unfair to do for two reasons number one they stop looking for their passion because they start seeing it as quote unquote a waste of time because that's what they've been told it is and number two is by saying, don't focus on your passion, focus on your schoolwork, you're also setting them up for failure because the days of graduating school, going to a great university and being guaranteed a job no longer exist. 
They don't exist anymore. So it's better that they embrace the thing that they're good at. I'm not saying don't learn to read and write, by the way. I'm talking about once you've got the core fundamental skills, that's great. But, you know, how much stuff did we learn in school that unless it was ever going to be your career is not helpful? I don't need to know about rock formations. Pythagoras' theorem, I've never used it again ever since school. You know, algebra. I, mean, I don't use algebra. I'm not a coder. If I wanted to go into coding, that would be phenomenal. I could really learn how to do that. I'm a business consultant. I don't need to know this stuff. Not relevant, right? So let them be children, first and foremost, and encourage them to embrace the things that they are comfortable with and happy with and excited about. Get them used to feeling that level of excitement because I promise you, we've all heard the saying, do something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. But then the very first thing we do is try and stop people from doing the things they love because we tell them it's not important. Those two things don't go together. So you either want them to be happy or you want them to be unhappy. And if you truly want them to be happy and successful, embrace and encourage the things that they are passionate about and that they are good at and just let them explore. Love it. That just sums up my life in a way, Phil, because I wanted to go into art when I left school and I was told it doesn't pay the bills. What kind of career is that? So I went into technology and yeah. I've done technology ever since. What's been really interesting is the last six or seven years, I've rediscovered my artistic bone in my body. And, and now I do something called visual thinking. And I actually train people in using hand-drawn visuals in building better teams and collaborating. That's amazing. The world has changed immeasurably within the last, I'd say, even two to three decades. So trying to behave in the way that our parents raised us and their parents raised them, it's no longer relevant. It doesn't fit anymore doesn't the most successful people in us i was listening to for anybody overseas listening to this you probably won't get the reference but i was listening to lbc radio station the other day leading britain's conversation and was interviewing the sister of a doctor and he went to cambridge university immigrant family he went to cambridge university and finished second in his class went and became a doctor he lives in a studio apartment and can't afford to put the heating on because he doesn't earn enough as a doctor to be able to do that and he's working 50 plus hours a week right now, we were all taught doctors earn really good money. You go and become a doctor, you're set for life. Everything's going to be great. Australia are stealing our doctors and dentists like it's a it's supermarket sweep for those of you old enough to remember the reference, right? They are just grabbing them by the hands because we're very highly trained and the UK are drastically underpaying people in those professions. So the days of, hey, become an accountant, become a lawyer, become a doctor, and you're made for life doesn't exist anymore. It does not exist anymore. I mean, I'm not, Paddy, I'm not going to ask you how old you are, but I remember, I imagine you're probably a similar age to me and as much as, you know, spending a lot of time on the computer, I was always told, what are you wasting your time on that box thing for? Get out and go meet people, go do things. Well, the people who spent loads of time with that box thing and our multimillionaire coders, developers, and tech entrepreneurs. So if they were told, well, that's never going to get you anywhere messing around with that box thing. Why would anybody want one of those in their house? You know, you got to remember that everyone said that. Somebody once said that the television wouldn't work because it's too bulky and people don't want to see what they're listening to. It's incredible, isn't it? But there's always been something like this. It's like that won't work because. Yeah. But that's always the reality. And it, people who ask you why you're doing something will always be the first to ask you how you did it. Absolutely. Phil, I could talk to you all day, but I appreciate you've got a busy life and you know, you've got young kids. So you, I do you need to get back to those as well. So I just want to give you the final word. 
in terms of the project that you're working on, I'm super excited for you, just Thank as you. a listener, to be honest. I just think it's such a great thing that you're doing. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners about what you're going to be embarking upon? So keep an eye out for the show, I think is the first thing to say. It's called Future Billionaires in Boxes. It seems to make sense, right? I would definitely say check out the show notes below and there'll be a link to my LinkedIn. Come and follow me on there. It's where we're going to be doing a lot of updates, drip feeding content. We also have a free networking event that attracts a couple of thousand people every month to come and play with us called Profitable Networking Monthly. You're more than welcome to come hang out in there. There's some phenomenal people. We're always learning and earning. There's some great stuff happening in there. It's not a pitch fest. In fact, there's no pitching allowed, which is why I think it's so successful because people just can come in and be themselves and find clients, find partnerships, find media attention. But that's lots of fun. There's one final thing I would say, and I should really message this guy and get like an affiliate link or commission or something because I, I don't get that for him. But there's a book that I really like that I would recommend people pick up. It's a book called The Alter Ego Effect. The Alter Ego Effect. And you can't miss it. It's a bright yellow color. The Alter Ego Effect by a guy called Todd Herman. Now, the reason I love recommending that book so much is for most people, the thing that stops them taking the initial action is imposter syndrome. It's fear. It's why can't I can't do that. That's not me. That's that, you know, that's for someone else. You mentioned it earlier. Like lots of people have these big dreams, but then they never actually take any action on them. And the alter ego effect is about working with great people across business and sport, helping them to create a, an alter ego, the uh, Clark Kent for Superman, right? That part that isn't afraid, that embraces this, that heads straight onto it. And it really allows you to tap into that inner power that's already inside you, set aside the imposter syndrome and the fear and take the action. Because I guarantee there will be people to listen, listening to this right now that have ideas that have the power to impact and change the world for the better forever. And we may never get to hear about them because of your imposter syndrome and your fear. So I highly recommend you pick up that book, The Alter Ego Effect by Todd Herman. Develop your alter ego and then let me know what you do with it because I'm excited to see the results. Oh, awesome. I'm going to definitely put that on my reading list for sure. So thank you so much, Phil. Really appreciate all of your insights. Good luck with everything you're doing and I'll be keenly watching from the sidelines. But yeah, it sounds fantastic. Thank you once again. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. There you have it, folks. It's the end of another insightful episode. And as always, thank you so much for sticking around to listen to this episode and for helping support me and encouraging me to create more content for you guys. If you'd like to get in touch with me directly, you'll find my email address in the show notes or equally head over to the website and click on the contact link. And I promise I will respond to every single message I receive. I'm always looking for your feedback. So if you'd like me to change things up or improve things, I would love your opinions. If there are topics that you'd like us to do future episodes on, or there are other great speakers that you are aware of, then please do mention them and uh, we'll see if we can make it happen. Thank you once again. 